here we go. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Casual Krakoa. I'm Dave Busing, founder and editor-in-chief of comicbookherald.com. Thank you for joining me here on this Wednesday, Inferno number three release day. I'm excited to get it rolling. If you are here live, get your questions in in the chat. I've got a handful here that I've already pulled out. There are some good ones coming in. There's a ton to talk about. There's so much good stuff happening in X-Men right now. It's crazy. I didn't do live casual Krakoa streams for a couple weeks. Um, part of that was just schedule and, you know, like having things going on. Uh, but a big part of that was there wasn't that much to talk about. <laughs> the books were happening. The Reign of X was fizzling. Uh, it was really just playing a waiting game between what's going to happen in Inferno, like what's going to happen in Inferno number three. And then that, so we have Inferno number three dropping today. I have a Cracked Krakoa video live on the Comic Book channel. If you want to check it out, uh, you can do so. Please like, subscribe, share, comment, all that fun stuff. But there's a full 17-minute video on Inferno number three where I go in on the events of the comic, which was awesome. It was so exciting. Uh, it was the most excited I've been about X-Men stuff in months. I hope that comes through in, in my hype and conversation around it. And obviously, we're going to talk about that a bit today. But then in conjunction with Inferno number three coming out today, as well as Hellions number 18, the conclusion to what has been arguably the best X-Men book for the last, you know, whatever, 18 months. Um, in addition to all that, you have a ton of Marvel hype machine stuff building up here, right? So we got the teasers for Marvel's X-Men Destiny of X. It's going to be coming in 2022. It's going to follow the X-Lives, X-Deaths of Wolverine event, which is going to be the first 10 weeks of 2022, then we're going to hit the Destiny of X, okay? So we're going Dawn of X, Reign of X, Destiny of X, uh, and I'm really excited for that. The promos are enticing. There's some interesting stuff going on, and then when you factor in what we learned in Inferno number three today, some of the other announcements that came through, like Immortal X-Men written by Kieran Gillen, art by Lucas Wernick, that was announced today. We're going to talk about that as well. Factor all that stuff in, there's a lot to get excited about with X-Men Comics again, which is great, which is great. It needed this. Like X-Men Comics, the line, they needed a boost. They needed some excitement levels boosted up heavily here because things were fizzling, things were dropping, and uh, and now I'm feeling, feeling real, real good about it, okay? I'm feeling real, real good about it despite the fact that we are one issue away. We are one comic book away from officially being in the post-Hickman X-Men era. Uh, and I'm going to talk a little bit about that in terms of... Uh, why that's why that's right <laughs> okay not why it's a good thing but why that's right all right so thanks everybody who's joining here live i really appreciate it again i'm dave you can find all my stuff at comicbookherald.com you can support the show and the site over at patreon.com slash comicbookherald if you are so inclined or if you're here live um getting questions getting good comments have a good fun conversation uh be polite be respectful of others around you that's all i ask uh and if you are so inclined the super chat should be open if you want to absolutely make sure i see your question um, you can get a super chat, you get a donation to Compa Carol. That helps me continue to make stuff like this. And it's it's immensely, immensely appreciated. So thanks, everybody, for hopping on. Let's dig into it. Uh, I want to talk about everything that's going on in the world of X-Men. And if you're here, I hope that you do too. It should be a pretty fun time. Again, there is so much happening, and it is so exciting. I should mention too, okay, this casual Krakoa, I'm talking about the comics that came out today, December 8th, Wednesday, 2021. Uh, that will be Inferno number three and Hellions number 18. It will be a spoiler-filled conversation. If you have not read these comics and you are worried about having them spoiled, pause now, come back later after you've read them, uh, and you will not actually have any of the details spoiled. Otherwise, let's dig into it. Okay, first thing I want to touch on is obviously Inferno number three was crazy exciting. Um, that, was, that was huge. There are some big questions I think that I want to focus on. So in terms of the plot, in terms of what happened, like all that stuff I I shared in my Kraken Krakoa review. Okay, I, I dig into that. I go in details. Um, if you want to talk about more of that, uh, you know, check out that video, right? And I'm just hopping over here to, let's see, block uh, some spam in the chat. That's a pain, but I got to do that because that's going to get real annoying. Uh, all right, let's dig in then to the questions that I have coming out of Inferno number three. So the big reveal in Inferno number three, okay? Spoilers right up, up front, out of the gate. Uh, the big reveal here. Karima Shapinder, as I teased, as I was I was slowly catching on 
right? These hints that Hickman was dropping in Inferno number one and Inferno number two, all the epitaphs for the book so far, the four issue, you know, maxi series event have been from the Omega Sentinel, uh, all of that. It was like, okay, clearly this is an important player, right? Clearly this is a more important player than anyone was really talking about. Well, it turns out like Omega Sentinel is the, the important player in, uh, in terms of what Orcus is doing, in terms of what's going on with Sentinels, in terms of what's, what's going on with the future of machines, in terms of what is happening with Nimrod. The reveal here is Omega Sentinel, as we know, the entity is actually a machine consciousness sent back in time from the future to the present. And that future being a future where mutants always win. Okay. It's a super, super clever, it's very clever on a number of levels. One being Omega Sentinels hidden in plain sight, right? Karima, her character, Omega Sentinel has been there from day one. House of X, Powers of 10, uh, just floating, just floating in the background, hanging with Orcus, being kind of curiously connected there in Powers of 10, whereas Ninth Life with Nimrod, right? Omega Sentinel has been around. We got some data pages in House and Powers around the Omega Sentinel process and what's that like. And at the time, and even up until recently, it's kind of like, okay, I don't totally know what to do with that. I don't totally know what to do with that. We haven't seen anyone else converted to an Omega Sentinel. Why was that there? Well, maybe because the Omega Sentinel is a hugely, hugely important player in all these things. Uh, and what this Omega Sentinel knows is that in this future that they're from, mutants always win. It's such a clever inversion of what we have known from Moira X and the lifeline she has lived. She has lived nine lives where she learned mutants always lose. Always, always lose. That was the big learning, right? And that's the, the thing that Magneto and Professor X are afraid of here in Inferno number three. The thing that Magneto says keeps him awake at night is the fact that mutants always lose. Well, actually... Actually, if Omega Sentinel is to be trusted, and here she's talking to Nimrod, so why wouldn't she be? Mutants always win in this timeline. Moira, Magneto, Professor X, congratulations, you did it. The Krakoa experiment, experiment, Life 10, this is the future where mutants always win. But for, but for a Titan, a trickster Titan, we're told, sending Omega Sentinel's consciousness back in time now with the knowledge of what has happened and an attempt to change the way things play out for the future. Okay, so Omega Sentinel has come back in time. Again, it is a total inversion of Days of Future Past. Okay, in Days of Future Past, the classic X-Men 141-142 by Chris Claremont and John Byrne, right? Cape Pride is sent back in time from a dystopian future where mutants are enslaved and overrun by Sentinels, right? And Cape Pride has to go back and prevent the assassination of Senator Robert Kelly by Mystique, Destiny, and their Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. Okay, but here we have an inversion of that from the machine perspective. Okay, from the machine perspective of Omega Sentinel needing to go back, needing to get Nimrod online sooner, uh, more efficiently as a stronger version of Nimrod, of changing certain events to the only possible way, seemingly, according to what Omega Sentinel understands, of making sure mutants don't win. We need to find a way that mutants don't actually win and uh, and the machines can rise. You know, I do really, really love here, too, the uh, there's a man, machine, mutant sort of um, triumvirate, right, in the, in the Hickman era of, okay, man's tied to machines, and that ultimately is both of them against mutants. But I really like putting the perspective shift and the focus on machine kind. Uh, the likes of Omega Sentinel and, and Nimrod in terms of what they're planning, because that is an angle we actually don't see a heck of a lot of. I think it connects more to like those Asimov roots, you know, in terms of iRobot and those types of science fiction stories. I mean, for me, one thing that I have definitely realized more and more and more as this era of X-Men comics has gone on is I am so, so, so invested and so, so, so hyped about the science fiction components specifically of what this era entails, not the superhero traditional stuff, because that we've seen before and that I've read a lot of those comics and it's not new, but the sci-fi elements, that feels new. I know it's not literally not, like a lot of times it's just borrowing and it's inspired, but it feels new in the world of X-Men and this time travel from a machine consciousness is that exact same sort of vibe, right? Something that feels very new. It is new to the story. It is unexpected. And, you know, I talk about this in the in the full review I do on Cracking Krakoa, but it's like in the age of, especially with something as big as House of Powers, right? You have so many X-Men fans so invested in what's going on in Hickman's story. There are so many theories 
I'm, I'm a part of this, right? I'm doing this all the time. You have so many people trying to prognosticate what's going to come. And to drop a reveal, a twist like this, that I've, I've seen like no one, no one had this, you know, like bits and pieces. Yes. No one had this specifically. That's awesome. That's so exciting. I love it. That it's a hard thing to pull off again, especially when you're hiding it in plain sight. Um, but it was thrilling. It was thrilling. You know, I loved Inferno number three on that level. I found it again, the most hyped, the most excited I've been about X-Men books in a long time. It's a really interesting development. Um, it connects the dots with a lot of what we're seeing in what's going to come this next year from X-Men comics, right? There's going to be a lot of time travel. Like we're going to be up to our eyeballs in timey-wimey, uh, you know, BS. And if you're here for that, and I am, it's going to be a good time. Uh, that can get out of control, of course. That can get out of control quickly. But, you know, hopefully, hopefully it doesn't. We will see. But it opens up so much potential, right? We're going to have Wolverine time traveling in X lives and X deaths. We got all these promos of Choose Your Destiny and mutants and all these various different, you know, end states and futures and realities and whatever you want to call it. Like, it's just it, the, the era should look and feel and perform very differently if we're playing with an alternate reality and or not alternate realities necessarily, but we're playing with different timelines. You know, there's a good question here that I got front from next level productions. Thanks for the question here. It says, will some of these books take place in separate timelines, you know, ABC simultaneously. Um, and that's obviously unknown, right? Unless you're in the X office, but the indication from these promos is certainly yes, right? Like that is what these promos are teasing we're getting visions here of all these different characters in various different timelines and, and various different sort of ramifications for what that means for them, right? So you've got these Choose Your Destiny promo cards showing Wolverine all phalanxed out, right, in the future. You've got Mr. Sinister as a do-gooder hero, a king, you know, winning a Nobel Prize. You've got Magneto maybe destroying it all versus walking away from it all. And we'll talk about maybe how that's teased a little bit in some of these like Mortal X-Men and, and even just what's going on in Inferno. You've got Hope Summers leading resurrections in a dystopian future on the council. And then, you know, the, the, the bomb on this is Destiny holding the same pose in all of them, right? So Destiny will see all of these possibilities from the same vantage point. I mean, to the question, it's that this is the question to me about how exciting this era might be is of all the books that are going to be in Destiny of X and where I'm going to talk about, you know, what are the new ones? That have been announced here because we're going to have some carry forward like new mutants going to keep going um wolverine x-force uh, didn't see sword haven't seen sword on the list we know hellions isn't right so the ones that i'm the most into seem not to be uh but we'll see exactly how that plays out but in those titles like are they going to take time to tell future stories are they going to split between different possible timelines how are they going to balance that i don't think these books should look and feel exactly the same as they have, you know, in terms of just hanging and standing in this era of Krakoa. Um, but time will tell. Time will tell on that one. So, I mean, will they? We don't know. Do I hope they do? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I don't know why you tease it this way if you're not going to fully invest and play with that and say different possibilities, different timelines of of what can happen in Mutant Dump here, right? Because there's no one future that is set. There are variant variant op opportunities and possibilities. Okay. And I'm, I'm for one excited about that. Uh, we had a question here from Brandon up front that I want to answer as well, which says, do you think that mutants winning? Okay. Mutants always win in the Omega Sentinels future could actually be more of the evil mutants like Mr. Sinister. Now I, I don't think it'll be so binary, right? Good and evil. I think that is a thing where there's a lot more nuance and gray to this era of X-Men. It's one thing that I think they've established quite well, um, which is obviously just reality as well. Uh, but I think that actually kind of ties into a, an interesting question here, which is, okay, mutants always win in this timeline. Omega Sentinel knows that. Well, how do they win, right? What do they have to do? We get a little bit of that in the timeline in Inferno number three, right? Like we know they beat the children of the vault after emerging. We know they do that by allying with humanity. We know they ultimately win because Apocalypse and his family come back from Ameth. They then later turn on humanity. There's a war. They win that. Okay, that seems big, right? We don't have details, right? There's a lot of story to be filled in about the how of Mutants Always Win. And one thing I posit in the Inferno number three review that I did is this could be more of a secret. You know, there's one thing that, that the big question, the biggest question that Inferno still has not answered, 
and that is what is Moira's ex's secret, okay? I'm increasingly inclined to believe it's not ascending to the phalanx. It's not, um, you know, actually mind-controlling all of mutant kind. It's just that, eventually, Moira knows the Krakoa experience, experiment, experiment, has to wipe out all of humanity. I think that's it. I think it's that simple. I think it's just the direct contrast of Professor X's dream. You know, he had the wrong dream. Well, how wrong? <laughs> how wrong was it? Because Krakoa and mutant kind, they're still playing. They're still playing, um, working together in various ways, right? They're on United Nations. They are working with other countries. They take over a planet here and there, right? They just claim Mars for themselves, but they're also working with humanity. And Professor X says in Inferno, Magneto and Professor X talk about this, you know, literally to the point of saying, um, you know, oh, but we'll, we'll treat them well, right? When, when we ascend, we'll, we'll treat them okay, right? Professor X is still pushing elements of that dream. It has changed shape, right? But he's still pushing elements of that dream. And I, I'm increasingly inclined to believe that eventually that's just not possible. That Moira has to say for them to actually win, we actually have to just go to war with humanity. Like we see in this future where mutants do ascend and win. Um, for us to truly, truly do that, we have to just take them out because otherwise they will keep sending Nimrods after us. They will keep pushing the machine cause to a state where we re-enter a timeline where we always lose. Right. So that that's kind of what I think Mario's secret is ultimately going to be. Um, it's a little bit simple, I think, in some ways, but it also ties very, very directly to, you know, kind of the core conceit of X-Men, especially since like, you know, 1991. Right. And the relaunch by Claremont and Lee, where it's just like Professor X's dream versus Magneto's. Moira comes in with the third, you know, OK, integration. But really, really, <laughs> it's just kind of destroying Professor X's dream. And just ending it and just crushing it, you know, because there's no other option. There's no other option for them to be in a timeline where they always win. I wonder if it's that. And and I wonder if Moira's fear of destiny, knowing that and potentially publicizing that, is just that there'd be a ton of backlash, right? It's just that there'd be a lot of mutants who were not on board with that, who did not want to participate in that kind of future. Um, so it's interesting, you know, it's interesting. I, I That question still needs to be answered in Inferno number four. Like what, what was Moira hiding that she felt the need to hide so much that nobody could know what they're planning. Um, but then at the same time, that implies Professor X knows that and he doesn't seem quite there emotionally. So uh, there's got to be more to it. You know, there's got to be more to it. We still need uh, the answer to that question. Um, we need an answer to this question after Inferno number three. What are Miss Destiny and Mystique going to do with Moira X? Okay. So at the end of this issue, they've got Moira captured, right? Uh, down an arm, down one arm and captured, right? Tough, tough times for Moira X. What are they going to do with this character who, if she dies, the lifeline resets or something happens. We don't know yet because she's on her 10th life, right? Um, I, my first thought was like, okay, if Orcus captured her, which they did here, if they had kept her, what would they do? And they probably hook her up to whatever the heck machines they can to just like keep her in stasis and keep her alive, right? Like that's probably the play is like you just keep her there until you can figure out what it is you want to do. I think Mystique and Destiny have to do something similar, although I think the difference here, and they seem to have her captured in a no place on Krakoa, I think the difference here is probably just going to be like, what if they throw Myra into the pit? <laughs> like, like what if they, and we saw this in Hellions number 18 today, right? Like, remember, Krakoa's prison is a pit. It is a, a black hole, basically. Not that's that's the wrong terminology because black holes exist here and they're used. Um, but it's just empty, black space. And we're going to see what some of that looks like or looked like in uh, in the Victor Laval written Sabretooth coming up early next year, which I'm really interested in. But, like, what if Moira's just thrown in there? What if ultimately Mutant Kind is just like, hey, we know about this now? I mean, because coming out of this, Emma knows, Mystique knows, Destiny knows, Professor X, Magneto, Doug, Krakoa. That's more than half the council, Okay. More than half the council knows about Mara at this point. Maybe they judge her for her, you know, role in leading uh, the mutant kind to something that mutant kind is not aligned with. And maybe then to keep her alive and to keep her perpetually there so the lifeline doesn't reset and so that the Krakoan good works and this future where mutants always win can go into the future, they throw her into the pit. Right? It's possible. It's possible. You know, and the other piece with all this too, though, is I'm talking about, like, okay, what's Moira's secret? 
and oh, maybe it's this based on Inferno number three. Like that's all very short-term thinking. That's all very reactionary to what I just read. And that's kind of what I said in the review where it's like, this issue deflects pretty heavily from like, hey, remember Inferno number one? <laughs> when we were talking about, hey, Moira's exploring the mutant cure, right? And she's going back to her old lab and checking out what's going on with, uh, you know, with her old research and whatnot. Like, okay, that was in the first issue for a reason, apparently, right? So that's got to come back to play. I mean, that that is probably the biggest downside of all this Inferno stuff is just like, there's only one more issue. And yeah, it's oversized, I know. But it's like, there's so many questions still. And it's just, I, I think as much as I like it, as much as I like it, um, it is rushed. It is. It's it's com- it's compressed in a way um, that that I wish it wasn't. You know, I wish it was longer, right? Like, it's, it's just selfish thinking, right? I wish it was eight oversized issues, you know, which is insane. Like, that's like 16 issues of comics, um, you know, standard sized. But it is just like, well, there's so much on the table and there's so much that was teased and we're not going to get to all of it here, right? Like, Hickman's just not going to get to all the stuff that he tossed out there, it's going to be left to other people. Like, we're not touching Vulcan, okay? All those Vulcan mysteries, not here through three issues. I'd be shocked if it's in issue number four. I'd be disappointed if it's in issue number four because it's not going to possibly have the time dedicated to it to actually give me a satisfying story, you know? Um, So I think the things where we are now, where we're at now, is the questions that can be answered that have been thoroughly examined in Inferno are... What is Moira actually planning? What are Destique and what are Destiny and Mystique? Destique? I don't think that works great. Um, Mestiny? That's worse. Uh, we'll just go Destiny and Mystique for now. Uh, what are they actually going to do with that information? What are they going to do with Moira herself? What's going to become of a post thrashed by Nimrod and Omega Sentinel, Professor X and Magneto? Because that's what's going to happen, right? We know they're going to get resurrected. We saw that in Inferno number one. Um, what's going to become of them? It seems like they're going to retain their positions on the council. Uh, based on what's coming in Immortal X-Men and that teaser there, although Magneto, not in the picture, right? So he's maybe walking away. Uh, And then also like, okay, what is Doug going to do with all this information? Because the one thread that's followed up on here, which I kind of didn't expect, and I'm excited that that it's happening, is we learn about what actually happened. Hickman pulls his classic, let's revisit a scene and let's give more context and more information now. He does that with Doug, Warlock, and Krakoa. And we get a feel for how Krakoa was developed, what that relationship is like, how Warlock and Krakoa are integrated, which has been theorized from, you know, from House of X, uh, from House of X days, right? We saw that Doug touches the leaf and it turns techno-organic and, ooh, is that phalanx? No, it's just Warlock and Krakoa are connected. They're eating each other happily, (laughs) apparently. And uh, they're super connected, but what that allows, essentially, this trio, is it allows them access to spying, on Moira, Professor X, and Magneto's secrets in the No Place, uh, which they built basically for that purpose. So Doug has like the most information of anyone practically at this point. There's a lot of actions that he can take. Um, I don't think Doug having, you know, the thing I talk about in the review is like, so Doug hears here Moira say, hey, we need to permanently kill Destiny, no resurrection. So Doug is hearing the schemers here say, in this mutant paradise, where mutant resurrection is on the table, where we have conquered death, we need to kill a mutant so they can't be resurrected. Uh, that flies in the face of the entire dream of this paradise, right? And Doug obviously hears that. He hangs his head low, says, damn it. And he's going to do something about it. He's going to do something about it. What exactly that's going to be, I don't know. I'm curious to find out. Um, you know, I think in the Immortal X-Men teaser, you know, Doug and Krakoa are also not on, in that image, right? And they are not mentioned as part of the council in the way that like Magneto is not mentioned as part of it. So I think maybe there's changes coming in terms of them just saying like, I'm done with this. Um, or we need a, we need a new role. We need a new way to approach these things because this isn't working, you know? So th- those are the interesting questions that I think uh, Inferno number three can, or Inferno number four rather, can actually answer in the, in the space limited to it. I don't think there's gonna be more that it can do than that. Um, I am curious, you know, what theories everybody has in terms of how it's going to end specifically, uh, what you all think about, like, what it's going to mean for the Destiny of X and all that fun stuff. But, I mean, big picture, big picture, the big thing here is issue number three is great. (laughs) In terms of story, 
in terms of reveals, it was great. It was exciting. It was everything I hoped Inferno would be and hasn't quite been to this point. And, uh, and I loved it. I loved it. It was awesome. And I'm excited about X-Men comics in a way that I haven't been in a while. And that is great. Okay. So I, I'm loving it. I'm going to check out the chat here. I'm going to check out, I see we got a super chat. Uh, thanks so much. I'm going to check that out. And uh, yeah, get in your questions while I take a, a sip. Given that Sabretooth is not listed as part of the Destiny of X era, do you think there will be even more books beyond those known so far? How concerned are you that they allow the line to get too big? Okay, two questions um, and good ones. Uh, what I will say here is the fact, like the limitation of Sabretooth not being listed on the Destiny of X roster, I think is probably more just a limitation of space than anything. Also, the fact that it's a miniseries, it is, it has been announced. I mean, it's one of the earliest books announced. It's only gonna be five issues. Um, I, I think if memory serves, it's part of like a, like a trip tech. I thought Loveball said, like he's gonna do three of those, um, which would be sweet, uh, but obviously we don't know what those are. So I think it's more just like a limitation of space, not being part of like the core ongoing run type thing. Do I think there will be even more books beyond those that were announced? Um, yeah, I do. I, so the new ones that were announced are Immortal X-Men, Knights of X, Legion of X and X-Men Red. Okay, and I can talk about what I think is coming from all those. I think some are probably pretty easy. Um, some require a little more theory. But like, yeah, I mean, I, I don't I don't anticipate they'll announce many more new books. Um, what we may see is like, oh, by the way, Sword is coming back, um, which is maybe just wishful thinking on my part, but I hope that it is. Uh, it's, it's the best X-Men book. I, I guess the other thing that I'm hoping, I guess let's just jump into it then in terms of like, okay, what are those new books going to be? I'm really hoping X-Men Red is just Sword 2.0. Um, I mean, honestly, it's two-part. One, launching X-Men Red and not having that be the Mars book is just disappointing. Like, I'm just disappointed if they don't do that. Uh, also, just there has to be an Al Ewing-written space book here, and I don't know which other one it would be, given that Sword's not on the on the promo card. Um, like, if, if there's not a Sword 2.0 in this lineup... What are we doing? What are we even doing? Uh, that would be infuriating. So I'm hoping and, and assuming, frankly, that that's what X-Men Red is going to be, which would make a ton of sense, right? It would it would make a ton of sense. Um, we got Storm as the region of Mars. You can't just do away with 16 million Araco mutants on this planet. Uh, that's got to have a book. So I hope X-Men Red is like Sword 2.0 meets the Araco book I've been wanting um, since Ten of Swords, you know? I think then we look at Legion of X, that's that's clearly going to be what was teased as like, oh, maybe it's going to be Legionnaires, maybe Spark of X post uh, Sysburger written Way of X and uh, in the Onslaught Revelation. This is clearly the follow-up to that. It's going to be Legion of X. Yeah, makes sense, right? We're going to have Legion on the team. Uh, we're going to have Blindspot. We're going to uh, finally resurrected now because Destiny's back. We're going to have uh, Juggernauts on this team, apparently a little more welcome in the Krakoan Sphere since the Juggernaut Mini. Uh, that was that was written by Fabian Nicieza, which, by the way, is uh, is being followed up. If you did enjoy that Juggernaut Mini, it's being followed up on in X-Men Unlimited, which is the Infinity, the virtual um, vertical scrolling comics that are on Marvel Unlimited. Okay, Nicieza is back to write some more Juggernaut and the Unstoppables over there in those Infinity books. But yeah, I mean, that's so Legion of X, like we know that we knew that was coming. Um, that's not surprising. That'll be great. Like a Legion centric book is, is always pretty interesting to me. Knights of X is definitely a wild card. It's probably the biggest wild card, I think, of the of the lineup. Um, I think the prevailing theory is that it's probably like Excalibur 2.0, which I'm a little torn on. Um, you know, but I, I think that's what most people seem to think it's going to be. Uh, I think if that's the case, you know, and we're calling it Knights of X, hopefully it's more otherworld focused, you know, and it kind of just, it kind of just becomes what Excalibur has primarily wanted to be doing and has been best at, which is the Captain Britain otherworld stuff. Like that's where the most meat is on the bone, I think, in the world of Excalibur. Um, it, anything to do with Jubilee, Gambit, um... Uh, rogue, you know, the, these elements of the team that just don't really have a place in that world. Um, and I exclude Richter from that purposeful. He actually is kind of fit in to the other world vibes. He goes full druid. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I think that's what Knights of X is likely going to be. And I'm fine with that. Like, I, I, want, I want Knights of X to be this big medieval other world Captain Britain book, especially given how much world building was done 
with Otherworld in Ten of Swords. Like, there's so much fun stuff we can do now with all these weird Marvel places that, that we never had before, right? Like the market with Magic Jaspers, we got Sevelith and these vampires, and Death, the Son of Apocalypse. There's a lot of cool stuff going on in Otherworld, and, and just so much that you could do where that is like, that's it. That's all you need, right? Stay there, have the Knights of X protect... I don't know, mutant kind from the threats of Otherworld or whatever the focus needs to be. That sounds fun. That sounds cool. I'd be into it. And then uh, the other new book is Immortal X-Men. Okay, and this one we actually got an announcement today from Marvel. Uh, it's going to be written by Kieran Gillen. This is the Gillen book, which I've been saying has been, you know, is going to be coming for a number of months now. Uh, it's going to be Lucas Wernick, who's doing the art on Trial of Magneto on that run. Uh, this is real exciting. This is good. I mean, Gillen's is obviously a, a well-known and well-regarded writer, but I think a lot of maybe Marvel superhero fans, you know, since Gillen kind of checked out on Marvel, obviously he's back on Eternals, which I like quite a bit, but, you know, he took a little a little hiatus of sorts. Um, I think maybe main-time Marvel readers, main-time Marvel readers, that's not a thing, but whatever I mean to say there, uh, don't realize Gillen's been on a hot streak, like a real hot streak post-Wictive. Um, everything he touches is pretty darn good, you know, right and die, which has been very good. Uh, Once in Future with Dan Mora is a really fun book. Like, Gillen kind of hasn't missed in a while. It's definitely a creator that I have uh, an increasing appreciation for. And like I said, I've been really, really enjoying Eternals, like way more than I ever would have thought I could have enjoyed an Eternals comic. Um, so Immortal X-Men I'm excited about. I'm excited about. I'm a little disappointed that Al Ewing doesn't get to own the immortal adjective uh, for until such time as he no longer wishes to write for Marvel. Like, I just feel like that would be, that should be his. <laughs> and probably he doesn't care at all. Um, but beyond that, yeah, Gillen's going to be a great fit for this. So what is Immortal X-Men? It's going to be a Quiet Council book. This is the Quiet Council drama book that everyone has been clamoring for forever, right? And it's basically what Hickman has is writing, right? You know, he likes that political intrigue and bickering and all that, but that's going to be the focus, you know, is going to be the the political bickering of the Quiet Council and and what it means to be the immortal X-Men, um, you know, with Arako in the room too, right? So we're going to see some connections, hopefully emerging of the Council and the Great Ring, some more direct uh, uh, interactions between those two nations, because that's still been pretty segmented, um, you know, for, for most of these stories. But yeah, I mean, in that teaser, you know, one of the big things here is no Magneto, no Doug, no Krakoa, okay? And I don't think they're mentioned as, like, focal points of the council, so I do think post-Inferno, there's going to be a deliberate shakeup where they aren't a part of this book, but the fact that Immortal X-Men is going to be a quiet council, you know, kind of stabby-in-the-back political thing um, does indicate that the council is going to exist. It is going to exist, and Professor X is going to be a part of it, right? So it's not going to be destroyed or shaken up in the capacity that I thought it might. You know, I thought it might just totally blow up, totally new government. We have to do things completely differently post-Professor X, Moira, and Magneto, and that does not necessarily seem to be the case. Um, I also don't buy into the theory that Magneto is going to be, like, thrown into the pit or, or killed and not resurrected or something like that after Inferno because of his role in that, because why would Professor X get a pass on that, right? That doesn't make any sense. Um, so I think Magneto is going to, my theory for this is Magneto is going to look at what just happened and what is going on in the world of X-Men after Inferno. And I think he's just going to walk away. I think he's just going to be depressed. Like he's just really bummed out that what he saw as the Krakoan dream just got so messed up. Like he bought in so hook, line and seeker and it just, you know, Moira's in the pit or however it ends. And he's just going to be like, all right, forget it. I'm done. I'm out of here. I think we may be going into very sad time Magneto. <laughs> but we'll see. We'll find out, right? He clearly is going to disagree. He's going to have a disagreement. Not clearly, but I, I suspect he's going to have a disagreement with the council to the point that he doesn't want any part of it anymore. All right. So those are the new books. Um, good question. I the, the second part of that question was, how concerned are you that they allow the line to get too big? Uh, not at all. I mean, I, I see this question so much. I see variations of the first reaction to titles being announced being there's too many books. There are too many Marvel comics published <laughs> at all times, okay? And, uh, and that is a problem that I agree with. I think it's a bad thing. Uh, that said... That's been true since, like, 2001, okay? At least this millennium. 
Um, so that's not surprising. When you look at how many X-Men books are a part of this line, it is not especially different than X-Men's output at any point this millennium. Like they tend to have like 10 to 15 books. Uh, that tends to be the case. It It's a little trickier now because they are better integrated, right? Where it feels more relevant. It feels more like, well, I should be reading more of these. Um, I think it's increased. I'm increasingly okay with as a reader looking at the X line and saying, I don't have to read everything. I don't have to keep up with the stuff that I'm not enjoying um, because ultimately it's not going to matter that much. It's not going to matter so much that I have to read it. Again, I know that's hard for certain types of readers. You want to read absolutely everything. Listen, I'm saying that and I still haven't missed a single issue. So like I haven't done that yet, but I'm, I'm increasingly getting there to the point where I can just look at this and be like, all right, Mortal X-Men's awesome. X-Men Red's great. Uh, and, and New Mutants continues to be awesome with Ayala and Reese. Maybe that's all I read on a, on a weekly basis. I'll catch up on the other stuff when it comes out of Marvel Limited, right? I, I think it's going to be that kind of line. So no, I'm not, I'm not too concerned it's going to get too massive because I guess just because like that's already a sunk cost with Marvel. That is already a problem that they have. They publish too many comic books every single month and they will not stop anytime soon. Um, it is just their business model. That is what they do. And uh, it is not good for the quality of things, uh, but it is what they do. <laughs> Would it be better if they didn't? Yes, I agree. All right. Do we have any other uh, new questions that I want to address? Okay. <laughs> good comments, good comments, awesome. All right, so what else do we want to talk about here today? Um, I think I talked about most of the big stuff that got announced. Yeah, so like Destiny X is coming in 2022. Um, what do we think is coming in terms of theories for the Destiny of X? Okay, what is this era kind of going to mean, right? As we now tap into the fact that it's going to be like, okay, so we're exploring various timelines. We're exploring trying to lock in a future where mutants always win. But now we know that a machine consciousness in the form of Karima Shapinder, the Omega Sentinel, has been sent from the future to destroy us and uh, to destroy mutant kind. And that's what we're up against. So we're going to have all these competing impacted timelines. Um, I think it's going to be fun. I mean, that's like that's not a theory, but I just I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited about it. If they really do it, if they really dig in to getting weird and allowing themselves to explore different timelines and different ways that futures can manifest, I think that would be awesome. You know, I mean, uh, one thing that I, I really hoped, or I, I, I kind of resented seeing but not getting the full story for in Inferno number three was this Dominion hunt that is teased, right? This future where the mutants have a Dominion mutant war. Like, that is something that I've wanted to build to um, throughout, throughout the Hickman era of X-Men. And instead we just get basically a line from powers of X to, and then just a jump to, oh, and here it is again, by the way, there's just, there's a dominion war. Like, I want to see some of that stuff. Uh, not just literally visually, although I think it'd be cool. Um, but also just like a build to that point. What do dominions actually mean? How do they operate? Those sorts of things. Those are the heavy sci-fi concepts that are teased out there that I don't just want to be like this sort of tossed aside, like, oh yeah, that happened in, in that future, but you know, we don't need to actually explore how or anything like that. Like, I want to see that stuff. That sounds awesome. So I'm hopeful there'll be a heck of a lot more of that. You know, one thing I did want to talk about too is I'm seeing a, a fair amount of reaction to Inferno. Now, most of the reactions is excited, but some reaction, which is like, it kind of just makes people bummed out that Hickman's not staying. Um, which I get, again, big fan of, of the writer's comic career. Um, it is, you know, so I, it, but it's kind of one of those like, well, you can't win, you can't lose because like, or you can't win because if the issue's bad, it's like, oh, Hickman's checked out. It sucks that he's gone. If the issue's good, people are like, oh, this is so good. I wish he was saying, right? Um, but what I wanted to say is I was listening to an interview that, that Hickman did with Brian K. Vaughn, um, another amazing comic book writer. He did it through his Substack, and in that interview, they're kind of talking about their comics careers and, and how they plan and that sort of thing. And one of the topics that came up was like, where are you at as a writer? Like, what kind of comics do you like writing? And Hickman very, very deliberately states there in this interview, he doesn't want to do long runs anymore. Like, that is not the place he's at as a creative person. That is not his interest level. He prefers, at this point, 
doing like these shorter projects, at least on a Marvel level. I mean, I don't know what the three moon, three world type stuff, if that's going to be the case, because that definitely seems like some major long run world building stuff. But it just, he just sounded and seems like a creator who he doesn't want to do the long Fantastic Four run anymore. And I think the thing I want to say here is like, that time happened. It was really great as a comic book reader from 2008 to 2015, but you can't go back, right? We don't have the time travel capabilities of an Omega Sentinel to go back to that moment. That's not where this creator is at, at this point in time. That's not the type of stories that he wants to do. So this idea that like, oh, Hickman got pushed out or the X office was in a place where they didn't want to do the type of stories he wanted to do. I mean, yeah, like obviously there's these little seeds and little threads of that here and there. But I think honestly, at the end of the day, like he didn't want to do a long X-Men run. You know, I think just like as a creator where he's at as a, as a, you know, creative person, that's not what he's into now. I don't think unless, you know, maybe 10 years from now, he's like, yeah, that sounds awesome again. Um, but at this moment in time, that's not the kind of comic book writing that Jonathan Hickman wants to do for Marvel. We're not going to get it. Um, and that's probably for the best because I wouldn't want to get it in a, in a version of Hickman storytelling that is phoned in and that it, that doesn't have his heart in it. And it's a thing he doesn't want to be doing anymore. You know, and I think the thing we have to see is who in the X office or who that is going to be brought into the X office has that capability, you know, in their in their tool belt. Because, you know, Jonathan Hickman isn't the first or only writer who can do a great long run, right? There are many examples of really good long runs in comic book history, obviously Marvel among them. Um, so it's up, going to be up to someone else in this era to really say, yeah, I'm going to do, you know, three to four years of an X-Men sequence that is truly, truly special. I mean, you know, I've talked about in the past how Al Ewing definitely is uh, more than capable of that, had done 50 issues of Mortal Hulk, has proved that, certainly. Um, could there be an Al Ewing cosmic X-Men sequence that is as exciting as, as something Hickman could have done? Absolutely. Um, Gillen's done really good long runs in the past. Is that something he's going to be interested in now in this era? I don't know. Could it be somebody totally new? Um, you know, that, that remains to be seen. But I think, you know, this idea that, like, oh, the, the Hickman story that could have been... Uh, I actually don't think it could have been like, that's the thing is there's no version of this where that could have been because that's not what the author wanted to do. That's not what the author wants to do at this point in time. Um, so anyway, so we're moving on, right? Like that's X-Men comics are going to move on and it'll either fizzle or it'll be great. Uh, but I would say conceptually in terms of what's on the table, in terms of talking about different timelines, in terms of talking about different possible destinies, um, there's a lot, a lot of meat on the bone. There's a lot that could be done here that could be very, very exciting. There's a ton of potential with where the destiny of X could be. And I am very excited about it. I'm very excited about it. I think the reign of X, you know, I definitely, I, I don't want to harp on this, but like the reign of X was disappointing by the end of it. You know, um, the reign of X was a holding pattern in a lot of ways. Um, it was not, it also was like, was weirdly not a reign. It was kind of just a stasis. And I think, you know, this this era is about breaking rules. It is about changing. It is about doing new things. And Destiny of X offers that in some capacity, especially, especially after the exciting stuff we saw in Inferno number three today. Um, so it'll be good. It'll be good. There's going to be good stuff in the Destiny of X. I guarantee that. Will the percentage of stuff that is great be super high? Like, that's the challenge, right? That's always the challenge. All right, so get in any last questions you want to do. I'm going to wrap up here shortly. Um, you know, one thing I do want to talk about, so we're talking about Destiny of X. And obviously it is named for uh, this character, Irene Adler, who is recently resurrected, is a major part of Inferno, and is a major part of House of X and Powers of Ten, um, without ever showing up, you know, uh, alive until the very end of this thing, right, in Inferno. I really hope, really, really hope the Destiny of X actually explores Irene Adler as a character <laughs> and, and, and as a incredibly interesting mutant, uh, because that is not something we've gotten a lot of, and certainly not something we've seen hardly anything of in the last 30 plus years, because the character has been dead, right? Like that is, there's just so little good destiny story out there by virtue of the character being used like a MacGuffin, in a lot of times, right? Just like, oh, Destiny said something, now everyone else does something 
right? Destiny says something and sets the stage, and everyone else acts. I want to see Irene Adler act. Like, what is in Destiny's Diaries? What does it mean? What does the character plan to do about that? What are her visions for the future? How do her and Mystique interact with the rest of Mutantum, right? These are things I want to see explored. I mean, there's certainly a lot of potential for that in Immortal X-Men with Gillen, who I think will get that and will do a good job with it. I have a lot of faith there. Um, but Destiny's going to be on the council now, right? So hopefully Immortal X-Men is a book where we see a lot of that. But, like, that's that's honestly one of my biggest wishes is just good Destiny stories. What are they? What can they be? Um, how do we get to know this character in a way that we know so many other mutants in X-Men comics? I think that would be really, really awesome. All right. So, again, uh, last call for questions here. Um, I'm seeing one before I get to this uh, the super chat, which came in, which is which is good. Is Dominion of X a good name for a future phase? Um, it's exciting, definitely. I like it in those terms. I think the downside would be, doesn't that imply that mutant kind would have ascended to this dominion thing where now they're a part of, you know, a hive mind phalanxy thing and we can no longer get mutant stories. <laughs> like, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that works if we actually take in what that would mean. Uh, but purely as a name, anything that alludes to the Titans and the Dominions and the world minds and all that crazy stuff uh, would rule. I mean, it would rule. Like, again, that is the more we can see how we're getting to those stages and the more those dots can be connected to Powers of Ten, the more excited I'm going to be about what is happening in, in X-Men. There's another really good question here that just came in from James. He asks, how long should an era of X-Men last? appropriate length. Uh, this is, I mean, there's no right answer, certainly, uh, but it is a really interesting question, I think. I mean, if you look at X-Men history, um, obviously people talk a lot about, oh, Chris Claremont wrote X-Men for 16 years. That's not one era. Like, like Claremont's X-Men is not one era. Um, it, a lot of times it's honestly kind of broken up by, okay, what artist was he paired with and who was he collaborating with and that sort of thing, you know? But there are different eras within the Claremont X-Men, certainly. I mean, he has to take all sorts of different challenges, I think, just to take make things interesting and change things when you're on a book that long. Um, if we look more in the modern era, right, you've got new X-Men, so the Morrison era lasts, what, 2001, two, three, four, so four years-ish, maybe? Um, I, I think four to five years is a pretty healthy timeline, you know? And I mean, you think about it, we're already over two years into House and Powers. Maybe it's really like a year and a half, a year and a quarter because of the ways that COVID messed with things. Um, but, you know, I think I think four to five years is kind of like the, the amount of time you can stretch it out where it's satisfying, but doesn't feel like it is, um, it's not answering stuff, right? And, and I think that's been one of the biggest problems with Reign of X where it's like, are we stretching this out or do we have a story to tell? And I think, you know, within four to five years, that's definitely the the amount of time where you could have a Krakoa era in all these various variations um, that is satisfying, I would hope. But even that, like, that's a challenge. I mean, that's hard to do. I mean, think about, you know, Messiah Complex starts, what, 2007, and then you have it through Second Coming in, like, 2010, I want to say. So that's kind of in the three to four year range, maybe, by the time we get to the end of it and then Avengers vs. X-Men. I mean, eras just don't last I mean, that, you know, and that that essentially encompasses, like, the Utopia era, right? So, I mean, it, yeah, I mean, it's hard to pull it off much longer than that. You know, you, you have to very much be on the ball. Obviously, Marvel and everybody involved in the office would love to keep this thing going as long as they can, you know, have fun with it and continue getting paid well for it. Um, but I, I think a four- to five-year stretch is kind of kind of the best that can be hoped for um, with a lot of these things, at least in the contemporary comics landscape. Like, that is a long time. <laughs> to be sitting here. And I, you know, there is too, there's the danger there of if we, if it's not going well and things are feeling like stasis and it is feeling like they're running out of ideas or don't have a good clear structure in place, then there's only so many of X's you can do before it just becomes a running joke and everybody checks out. Right. You know, there's only so many you can hit um, before it's like, all right, we're on our eighth of X segment of the Krakoa era. That could be a problem too. So that's my initial thinking, but obviously there's no right answer. Um, I mean, really, it's dictated just by how good are these stories and 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 how much do we want to hang out with them. All right, so let's see. We got a, a comment here. My dude, Apocalypse, is making moves again away from X-Men storyline, but I'm glad to see him. 
appreciate your content, Dave. Well, thank you. I appreciate you uh, listening here and the super chat um, donations. Super appreciated. Uh, yeah, it was good. It was good to see the Apocalypse family back in Inferno. Um, it, obviously, it's a future that hasn't yet come to pass, uh, but almost certainly will. Um, we'll see him again. We'll, we'll see Apocalypse in the family. I'm I'm sure of that. I mean, that that could be one of the really nice things about playing with timelines if these books have the confidence and the creativity to do so is if we're extending out into the future we can get to the point where apocalypse and his family are back right like you can do all these things where um you're playing with characters you're playing with ideas that aren't like official like this didn't officially happen but it's in a possible future right you can just play with stuff more uh and i think that offers a lot of opportunity so i'll look forward to seeing apocalypse and the family in the destiny of x although i don't think they're ready to like return in the present if that makes sense um, question here, who let Sabretooth out? I really did wonder. I wondered about that today because that was one of my big Inferno predictions was, okay, Sabretooth's going to get, they're going to, Mystique and Destiny are going to like release the pit somehow. And that's going to cause some chaos on Inferno as part of their scheme. Well, that hasn't happened. And that doesn't seem super likely to happen. It certainly could in the fourth issue. Um, it's an interesting question. I don't know. I wonder now Given the insights we got into Doug and Warlock and Krakoa, maybe that's part of Doug and Krakoa's plan, right? Is being like, all right, we're not a part of this anymore. We're not cool with what's happening here. We're not confident in the leadership at all. In fact, we're rebelling. We're going to start that by letting people out of the pit. So maybe, maybe post Hellions number 18 in a tie-in in the other comic that came out today, maybe good news for, for little Nanny and uh, an Orphan Maker there. Um, and definitely for Sabretooth. Because, I, I mean, here's the thing. is like, we don't know that Sabretooth's actually out of the pit i don't think um maybe we do from the solicits but i from what i remember offhand here is um <laughs> what i remember offhand here is that uh, Sabretooth is it's going to tell us the story of what Sabretooth's time was like in the pit uh do we actually know that Sabretooth's definitely coming out it seems likely we're gonna do five issues on it but i don't know for sure i don't know for sure it is a good question all right we got a question here from thomas that i'm gonna tackle and then one from Bryant here in the Super Chat. Uh, keep them coming. As long as I have Super Chats coming in, I will address them. Thomas asks, is Rasputin going to walk out of one of these shimmering portals already? Uh, definitely teased here. I mean, it is. It, it, obviously, it's been teased for a long time. Uh, every implication is Rasputin, Zorn, and maybe Ninth Life Omega Sentinel. I'm, I'm thinking Yes are going to come out of a black hole through a portal at some point in time. Like you don't, I've said it a million times, you don't plant that seed and you don't also have Omega Sentinel talk about traveling through black holes, her, her mind from one time to another without growing it at some point in time. Uh, it would be like one of the biggest missed uh, threads in comic book history. If they just, if no one ever touched Rasputin again, <laughs> like, that would be so flipping weird. Uh, that said, I don't think it's going to happen super soon. Uh, I, I don't know what the play is there because I thought the play was going to be, that's who this Omega Sentinel was, um, was connected to that timeline. And that doesn't seem to be the case. Uh, it, maybe, maybe it's going to be more related than not. I don't know. I, I can't totally tell at this point. But yeah, I mean, we have to see Rasputin. I mean, that's another thing you could do where if you're playing with different timelines, could one of these timelines be one where Rasputin and Zorn come tumbling out of a black hole? It's got to happen. It's got to happen. It'd be so weird if it didn't. Uh, all right, we got a question here from Brian. He asks, what about Baby Mystique? I forget her name, but like, what was the point, do you think? <laughs> Who is Baby Mystique? What are we talking about here? <laughs> I don't, I don't even know what that is. Are we talking about the the kid that Mystique and Wolverine had back in the Bendis X-Men? In all new X-Men in, um, in Battle of the Atom, the event? Is that who we're talking? What, what is that? Uh, Razor or... Oh, man. It's not Rage. Um, I'm blanking. I'm blanking on Wolverine and Mystique's possible future kid. Uh, I don't know if that's who we're talking about, uh, but if you can clarify, we'll try to answer All right, the follow-up here is, what's the theory about Phalanx Wolverine? Um, oh, <laughs> we're talking about Children of the Atom, the series written by Vida Ayala. That's what we're talking about, Baby Mystique. I get it, I get it, the, the shape changer. 
shapeshifter who is now in Krakoa. I did, I forgot her name too. Um, what was the point? Uh, I mean, I think the point was introduced. I, I don't want to go into the whole, what was the point of children of the atom? I've talked about that. Um, but I think, I think that's a new character that, that is going to be on Krakoa. I think she'll be around. I think somebody, maybe Ayala themselves will pick it up, um, in new mutants. And I, you know, I think it's as simple as that, right? We're going to have a little shape-shifting, um, new mutant and will mystique form a bond with that character you know could we could we see them connecting in more interesting ways i think that would be a good call you know we started to see that at the hellfire gala um i would i you know and that kind of ties into what i was saying about destiny right like i would like to see mystique and destiny giving something other something new to do beyond what destiny references here which is just like oh everybody just winds us up and lets us go destroy like what else could they do right what could they nurture like what are their visions for what they want I think those are questions that I'd like to explore with those characters. Um, and I think that's that's a good way to tie into it. Raze. <laughs> it's a Raze. That's who it is. Wolverine Mystique's kid from the future. Will we see Raze in one of these futures? <laughs> I hope so. I hope we get all the weird future stuff, right? Give me give me Storm and Forge's kid. Um, you know, there's so many future outcomes and all that wildness. Um, you know, let, let's see some shard. Let's see all these future characters in these timelines. I'm here for it. All right. Uh, last question, unless I get a, a great one here at the end. Uh, what's the theory about Phalanx Wolverine? I mean, I, I guess I haven't processed it much beyond in X lives and X deaths. I think when Wolverine travels to the future, because the story is going to be a timey-wimey time-traveling Wolverine, um, I think it's going to be very heavily focused on when Wolverine gets to the future, the Phalanx are going to try to infect him. It's not going to take, uh, at least entirely, because of his healing factor, and he's going to have a cool phalanx look because of, because of it. Like that's that's as far as I've processed that information. I don't necessarily think it's going to be a heck of a lot more advanced than that. Uh, I hope it is. I hope there's a lot more to it, and it gets way harder sci-fi. Um, it would be really cool if Wolverine brought back knowledge of like the phalanx and what that means in terms of all these different cosmic connective units and just like kind of understood that better because he'd been infected by a techno-organic virus. Uh, that's not the kind of writing I've ever seen from Ben Percy, <laughs> right? Like, like he likes to write uh, books where Wolverine drinks beer and surfs on a board with claws. <laughs> so um, it's kind of this like, you know, yeah. Uh, so I haven't seen hard sci-fi from Ben Percy. Doesn't mean he's not capable of it. We will find out in X Lives and X Deaths. Uh, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. I am still very skeptical of X Lives, X Deaths. I am more excited for the Destiny of X. I hope it's good. I really do. I really do. Um, but a time-traveling Wolverine story uh, by a writer who is not known for science fiction and, and certainly not time travel stories, uh, I don't know what we're getting. I'm skeptical. I have to say it. Have to say it. All right. Thank you, everyone, for joining today. I quite appreciate it. Uh, this was a super exciting day of X-Men comics. Um, I'm going to be on tonight talking with uh, Cerebro and Blurred Without Fear, Ernie over there, about uh, about the day's events. That's going to go up on the Cerebro's channel uh, you know, sometime this week. And then after Inferno number 4, I will definitely have those guys back on for a full team conversation assuming they can make it um but thanks to everybody who joined live here i really appreciate it thanks for getting in such awesome questions thank you to all of you who donated in the super chat um if you want to support compa carol in any other way you know just like check it out check out the channel subscribe uh you can go to patreon.com slash compa carol if you want to donate um and get some cool benefits that's super appreciated and then you can always find my stuff compa carol.com or um the compa carol podcast you can just look for compa carol uh, and, and, but yeah, I seriously really appreciate the fandom and, uh, and all of you hanging out and talking comics with me. It is awesome. I love it. Uh, I don't know how much I'm going to be back for the holidays. So if we don't talk again on a casual Krakoa, have a great holiday season. Enjoy December. Thanks for being awesome here in the chat and, uh, yeah, enjoy the comics. <laughs>